Hey, good morning. Happy New Year to you. As a kid, your parents might have taught you like some basic prayers to say each day, right? Maybe you remember the old rhyme, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul will take. Have you ever considered how creepy that rhyme is? Like, it makes God sound like the Grim Reaper. Are you with me? We did not pray in this way as a household growing up. But I'm telling you, if we did pray, this would not have calmed me. It would have terrified me. I would have laid in bed every night, like, unable to fall asleep, waiting for the death angel to show up at the foot of my mattress. Or perhaps, you know, at your dinner table right now, you teach your kids to recite this one. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. And you have to stretch out the amen. You can't just say amen. You got to stretch it out for the benefit of the kids. And look, those are great prayers when you're four years old. But how many of you know that when you're 40 years old, the words that you pray need to have a lot more meaning and depth and power behind them to sustain you in life circumstances? What's unfortunate is that many people never get past an elementary perspective or practice when it comes to their prayer lives. We never really get comfortable with it. We stay at kind of this basic level where our prayers are like, they're sincere, no doubt, but they're super basic. They're kind of shallow, and frankly, they're ineffective and boring. Then after we get done praying these like childish, elementary, basic and boring prayers, we're like, I just don't know why I find prayer so boring. Maybe there's a reason. It's a shame because prayer really is like, it's the most essential and powerful tool that we have at our disposal. You realize that, right? Prayer connects us with the all-powerful God of the universe. Prayer unites heaven and earth. Prayer is the pathway to meeting the needs that we have. There are some things in your life that will only come to pass through consistent and sincere prayer. So we need more than an elementary experience with prayer. We need to pray like we mean it. We need to pray like God deserves it. We need to pray like our families and our health and our lives even, our whole world might depend on it. So as we kick off this brand new series, um, we kicked it off last week, but you know, in person today. And as we, um, as we start 21 days of prayer here at Connect Church, and we create kind of regular daily opportunities for you to get involved in corporate prayer. We're gonna be talking about that a little bit later in our service today. I'm gonna do all that I can to help you pray with fire every single time you bow your head and close your eyes. The early church certainly prayed with fire, like sometimes literally, okay? Go read Acts chapter number two, and like there's literal fire involved, it's wild, okay? Um, but there's this incredible example in Acts chapter number three and four, a story that I think is really, really powerful. Acts tells the story of what the um, disciples did after Jesus ascended to heaven. So it's the story of the early days of the Christian church. And in chapter number three, Peter and John, two of Jesus' original disciples, they come across a crippled man begging for money on the side of the road in Jerusalem. And so we're gonna pick up the story here in verse number six, Acts chapter number three, beginning in verse six. Uh, the guy asks Peter and John for some money. You know, he's like, hey, panhandling, can you help me out? I'm not able to work, times are tough, can you help? But Peter said to him, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. 
Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went to the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Yeah, me too. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. So Peter and John perform this miracle and they decide this is, this is the perfect opportunity because there's a crowd that's starting to gather around. So we're gonna preach about Jesus. And so they start preaching about Jesus, the resurrection. They speak to the crowd that had gathered after this miracle for the next several hours. Eventually, some religious leaders come along and they start listening to their sermon and they don't like what they say. So they arrest Peter and John and have them thrown into church jail, which like actually used to be a thing. No lie. Like we might need to bring that back with the way some of you guys are wilding. But anyway, we're gonna, we're gonna move right on. They get thrown in church jail and the next morning they're dragged before the religious council and made to answer for what they had been saying and doing the day before. But Peter and John, they refused to back down. And they told the, the council, they said, listen, no matter what you say or do to us in this moment, we cannot help it. We have to keep talking about Jesus because of what he did for us, what he did for this man, what he wants to do for everybody around the world. So the council's kind of afraid. They're like, oh man, if we punish these guys, like the crowds are gonna be mad. They might revolt. There might be a riot. And so they warn them strictly not to preach. They're like, don't do it, okay? Or you're gonna get in real trouble next time. And they send them back home. Okay, we're gonna pick up the story here in Acts chapter number four. Look at what the scripture says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they, meaning the congregation, heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor, David, like King David, David and Goliath, that David is who they're talking about, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans. The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. They go on to say in verse 27, in fact, this has happened here in this very city. They're saying that Old Testament verse is fulfilled right now in this moment. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. So now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Hey, I wanna spend all of our time together this morning kind of dissecting this prayer that they prayed when Peter and John were released from prison. And the reason why is because this prayer has qualities that should be present in our prayer life as well. We're gonna find three things that are characteristic or true of this prayer in Acts 4 that should be true of all of our prayers despite the fact that we're living millennia later on the other side of the planet, three qualities that all of our prayers should have found in Acts chapter number four. It's this, praying with fire requires unified, scriptural, and bold prayers. Those are the three qualities that should be present when you pray. They should be unified, 
They should be scriptural and they should be bold. If you're like, oh, I don't understand what any of that means. Well, I'll get there, okay? I want you to notice, let's start with this idea that prayer should be unified, okay? Uh, notice in Acts chapter number four, the, the passage starts with all the believers lifting their voice together to God. See, they were unified in their prayer. One of the things that we often get wrong as modern Christians is we think of prayer as a solo activity. We think of it as individual, it's private, it's just between me and God. Like even when we gather corporately and somebody's like on stage praying, often it seems like the rest of us are just kind of here listening in while somebody else prays. But prayer was always meant to be communal, not just individual. Think about the fact that prayer is a conversation, right? I mean, that's at its most basic form. That's what prayer is. It's a conversation between you and God. That means that there are always two parties in any prayer. Even if you're in your prayer closet all by yourself at, you know, 7 a.m. on Monday morning, there are at least two people that are involved. It is never individual or solo. It's a conversation. You cannot have a conversation with yourself. You can, but they'll put you on medication. I mean, it's like... It, there is always someone that you are talking to when it comes to prayer. So it involves two parties at least, but really prayer should include a whole lot more than that. See, some of you have needs. Some of you are facing hurdles and difficulties, tough situations in life, and you are the only person that knows about them. And as a result, you're the only person that's praying for them. That is really a shame. Because praying with fire requires all the believers to lift their voice in unity together to God. You know, this is the reason why we print that crazy faith wall and we put it up and we have you write your requests on there. It's the reason that we leave it out all year long. It's like people walk in in like July and they're like, oh, are you guys doing like, is this a series that you're in? You're like, no, that was from last year. Why do we leave it up all year long? Because we want you to see those requests continually again and again and again. We want you praying over those requests yours and other people's. In fact, you're gonna find out that during our 21 days of prayer, there are two separate groups that are specifically devoted to praying over your requests that you wrote out there on the wall. So even if you wrote them down, you kind of forgot about them, this church is still lifting them up. We're still gonna be praying for them because prayer is supposed to be unified. It is supposed to be communal. It is supposed to involve like more than just me and God. So let me encourage you with that in mind, like, hey, don't forget about the crazy faith wall. It wasn't just something that we did back in November and that was nice and we'll pick it up again this November. No, it is a living wall. So like if God answered, I had somebody stop me in the um, lobby. I don't know if it was Christmas or the Sunday before. And they were like, Dan, I've been waiting to see you all week. And I'm like, okay, what's about to happen here? Why? What did I do? What did I say? What did I post? Um, and so um, uh, they said, listen, I, I wrote something on my crazy faith wall. It's literally the only thing I wrote on my wall and I can't believe it. I'd given up. God answered it. And I'm like, listen, here's a pen. Go mark it off. If God answers your request, it might be months later. Go mark it off. Why? Because when somebody else sees a crossed off request, they know it's an answered request that builds faith. Hey, write new stuff on the wall. You know what I'm saying? Like this year, you might get a diagnosis that changes what your crazy faith request is. Go write it on the wall. If you're brand new, you're like, I wasn't here in November. I started coming around Christmas time. That is your wall. Grab a pen, find an empty blank, go write on the wall so that we can pray for you. Prayer is intended to be communal and unified. All right? 
Okay, now I don't mean that you need to broadcast like all of your junk to everybody, okay? You don't have to tell everybody your business, all the problems you're having. You don't need to spill the, the deepest details and darkest secrets to everybody around. Like you may have stuff that you're not comfortable sharing with a large group. Or like maybe your prayer involves somebody else and you don't have their permission to go into all of the details. That's okay. I actually want you to pay really close attention to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 18. This is so good, you guys. In verses 19 and 20, Jesus says this. Again, I truly tell you that if two of you, two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. See, according to Jesus, praying with fire doesn't even require an entire congregation, just two or three people who are willing to knit their hearts together in unity as they seek God's power and provision in a given situation. Did you catch that? Prayer is not a numbers game. It's a unity game. Who you ask to pray for you is so much more important than how many people you have praying for you. Hey, this leads me to a point that honestly, I struggled with writing. I kind of struggle to make it because I'm very afraid I'm gonna be misunderstood and it's gonna make me look bad, but it is what it is, okay? Look, as the pastor of this church, every single week, I have many, like every single day, I have many people that come to me and ask me to pray for needs that they have in their lives. And listen, I am happy to do it. Please hear me what I'm saying. Like, I am very happy to pray for any and every need that you might want me to pray for. But you need to know that your prayer is no more more likely to be answered because the pastor is interceding for you than if you had your brother or sister interceding for you. You realize this, right? Like I have no special access to God. I don't have his private number. It's not like he's like, oh, Dan's asking. Okay. Because he's asking, I'm going to go ahead and do it. That is not how prayer works. And so listen, I'm happy to pray for you, but please understand that prayer, the key to praying with fire has nothing to do with the quantity of people that are praying about your situation. It actually has nothing to do with the quality of the people that are praying for your situation. What it has to do is the unity of the people who are praying. Like with, with, with 500 plus people that call Connect Church home, there is no way that I can knit my heart together in unity over every single prayer request that comes my way. I'm gonna pray for it. But like, if you want me to own it and pray like it's mine, I just don't have that much time in the day. I love you. Plus, I've got friends and family that are not a part of this church and I gotta pray for them too because I'm the family pastor, you know what I mean? <laughs> so listen, don't misunderstand. Please continue to ask your pastoral staff to pray for you. We're here for you. We wanna do that. But don't ever get confused and forget that in order to pray with fire, you don't need a pastor. You just need a brother or sister. You need one or two people that will say, you know what? I will pray for your marriage like it's my marriage. I will pray for your healing like it were my healing. I will pray for your financial provision like I'm the one on the verge of bankruptcy. I will pray that you will overcome your depression like I'm the one that's struggling to get out of bed every day. One or two people, if two or three of you gather together and you knit your hearts together in unity, that's all it takes Jesus says, I promise you, I will give you whatever is prayed in my name. Okay, you guys understand what I'm saying? Like you're, not, you're not mad at me. You're like, dang, this guy doesn't want to be our pastor. Okay, 
So God loves to answer unified prayers, but hey, he also delights in answering scriptural prayers. I told you your prayers need to be unified. They need to be scriptural. What do I mean? Well, did you notice in Acts chapter number four that the believers, they very kind of weirdly, randomly quote Psalm chapter number two. You know that they said like, oh, in days past, God, you spoke through your servant, David. They're referencing the Old Testament. That's from Psalm chapter number two. And maybe you've heard people or maybe you've heard me and and we tend to recite prayers, uh, recite scripture rather in our prayers. Why do we do that? Why is it important? And why is it a valuable practice for you to get involved in? Well, when we quote scripture in our prayers, we anchor our prayers in his promises, not our desires. When we quote the scripture, when we include Bible verses, we ensure that we are praying for the right things and it gives us confidence that God is going to answer because he's already promised that he's going to answer. Let me give you an example. Let's say, excuse me, let's say that you sin, right? And uh, everybody does. You're not a bad person. You're just a person, okay? And so let's say you sin and you want to repent and ask God for his forgiveness. And so you go to him in prayer. Now listen, without the scripture, as soon as you bow your head and close your eyes, the voice of the enemy is going to show up in your ear and he's going to say to you, come on, how many times have we done this? How many times have you committed that same exact mistake? And then you show up and you're all sorry and you just expect that God's going to wipe it all away. Why would he do that when you keep making the same old mistakes again and again? You know, the rest of the people at your church do not struggle the way that you do. You realize that, right? Like, it's you. There's a problem with you. And when you keep coming to God, God is going to get tired. He's going to get exasperated. He's going to get frustrated. And like, you're wasting your time lies. But with scripture, you show up in prayer and you say, God, I know this is not the first time. It's not the 50th time, but I truly am sorry. And today I'm claiming your promise in 1 John chapter number four, verse nine, which tells me that if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and to cleanse us from all our wickedness. God, I'm claiming that promise today. I don't believe you're gonna forgive me because I deserve it. I believe you're gonna forgive me because you promised you would forgive me. So give me victory over this so I don't have to keep praying this promise. I can start to pray some others, please. Hey, we should be praying the promises. You aren't reminding God of his word. You're not like, hey, God, don't forget you said you were going to forgive me, so you kind of have. No, you are reminding yourself. You are anchoring your prayers in what God has said, and God is trustworthy. He's worthy. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Pray the promises. Now, in order to pray the promises, you have to know the promises. You know, this is why we give away free Bibles here at the church, because you need to read and know the promises that God has made to you. And, and very respectfully, like, again, okay, whew, <laughs> um, you can't just rely on me to spoon feed you the promises every single Sunday. Like, 
I, I mean this with all due respect, okay? I'm happy to help when you're young and new to the faith, but like eventually you gotta grow up, you gotta start learning, memorizing, and then reminding yourself of these promises yourself because I'm not always going to be with you. You realize that, right? Or if like you have to wait until Sunday and you catch me in the lobby and you're like, Dan, give me a promise for this situation. It's like, I'm limited by what I can remember in the moment. And you got to wait six or seven days before you can find that promise, okay? So it's up to you to know the promises so you can pray the promise. I'm telling you guys, like, I just feel like you're like, this guy does not want to pastor this church. Um, but hear me. Hear me, and, and this, okay, so the way that I think of my job, okay, the way that I think of my job is that I, this is a weird example, but my calling from God is to teach you to drive the car, not chauffeur you everywhere God wants you to go. You with me? Like, if, you, if I'm your spiritual chauffeur for like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and I've got to chauffeur hundreds of other people, nobody's getting anywhere, frankly, least of all me. Like, I got places I want to go. Um, so so the, the point here is not that, like, the pastor doesn't want to help or anything like that. The point is God has given you the ability to read, understand, apply the promises from his word so that your prayer is not just anchored in, like, well, I hope and maybe and gosh, God, if you've got time, hey, it's me again, so sorry to bug you. But it's like, no, he's promised. And so I'm going to pray those promises. Learning and living those promises is incredibly important. That's why we've actually, today we're going to continue a tradition that we've been doing for like, I don't know, five or six years. Every single year, the first Sunday of the year, we do something to your chair before you show up. Don't worry. It's okay. It's not gross. Um, on the bottom of your chair right now, the chair you're sitting in, if you were to reach down there, you would find a small piece. Yeah, go ahead, do it, please. You'll find a small piece of paper that's taped there. And on that piece of paper is one of 60 maybe different promises that our staff member, Simone, has collated, gathered together, and placed under your chair. Now listen, when you walked in and you sat down, you thought that it was a random seat assignment. Or you thought the usher was putting you in this seat. You're like, man, why am I so close to the front today? Um, no, you sat where you sat today because God wanted you to receive that particular piece of paper. You might be tempted. You're like, well, I don't like this one. Is there a better one next to me? Nobody's in the chair. Nobody's going to know. Don't do that. Don't do that. God has given you this particular verse for a reason. I mean this sincerely. I can't even tell you how meaningful that little scrap of paper has become to me over the years. In 2020, the verse that I got, this is January 2020, verse that says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of judge, love, judgment, sound. And I got it, and I'm like, I ain't got a spirit of fear. Then March 2020 hit, and I was like, ah! God was like, I already made the promise, buddy. So what you're going to do, what I hope you'll do anyway, is that you'll take that. And even if you don't understand it, some of you, you read it and you're like, whoa. But even if you don't, in the weeks or months ahead, I bet you will. You might even read that paper and you're like, yeah, this would have been good last year before those things happened. 
But maybe God wants to keep that in the front of your mind so that you can help other people this year who need to be reminded of that promise. I don't know. He's going to use this in a bunch of different ways. So my challenge to you then is to take that piece of paper with you. Don't throw it on the ground. Don't throw it in the trash. Take it with you and then put it somewhere that's going to be visible for the next year. For 12 months, my verse from last year has sat right next to my computer monitor up in the office. I've seen it every single day and it's been a good reminder in a lot of different seasons for me, okay? So take it, put it on your mirror, put it on the dashboard of your car, put it on your refrigerator, put it on your desk at work so that you can be reminded of at least one of the promises that you should be praying from God. Okay, praying with fire requires unified, scriptural, and finally, it requires bold prayers. In Acts 4, in that passage, there are two things that are happening that I think are very interesting. The first is the disciples actually ask for boldness, specifically. You remember that? They said, God, give us boldness. They wanted boldness. They wanted to be able to speak the truth and not be afraid of what people might say. They wanted to be able to speak it like they believed it. They wanted to speak it in a way that would bring transformation to the world around them. They prayed for boldness itself. But they also prayed bold things would happen during their prayer. They prayed, God, do miraculous healings through your servants. Have you ever prayed that for yourself? You've been like, God, I'm gonna go to work and I'm gonna pray that somebody's gonna be healed today. Like out loud, publicly, put my hands on them and pray. That fills me with anxiety and I'm the pastor, okay? I can only imagine what it's like for other people that are even less familiar with all of this and yet boldness became a hallmark of the early church's prayer life. You see, guys, there have been times in my life where I just felt like prayer was so boring, right? It's just like, I don't know, it's boring. And, and then I felt the Holy Spirit one time about three years ago start to speak to me and say, Dan, the reason prayer feels so boring to you is because your prayers are boring. Ouch, God, that hurts. But it's true. Daniel, you, you say things like generic phrases, like God bless me today. God, please be with her. You even say like, dear heavenly father. But do you stop to consider what any of that means? When you say, God bless me today, what do you mean, Daniel? When you say, God be with her, what do you mean? And if you can articulate those specifics, why are you not praying for the specifics instead of the generics? Are you with me? When you call me your heavenly father, do you stop to consider all that that might mean in your prayer and in your life? Come on. I really felt like the Holy Spirit saying, it is time to stop praying like a kid and start praying like a man who actually has confidence in the one he's praying to. I don't know why we do this, but we all do, okay? We kind of sandbag our prayers. We play them safe. We scale back. We're afraid to ask for big stuff or specific stuff. It, maybe it's because we don't want to sound greedy. Perhaps we're afraid that God's not going to answer or he's going to say no, and then we're going to be left disappointed. I mean, we just, we tend to do this again and again, but God honors bold prayers, we see this throughout the scripture. There are so many examples of people praying ridiculous, over the top, like kind of obnoxious prayers. And God's not like, what are you even doing down there? He's like, all right, all right. 
Let's see. Let's see if we can do something about this. God honors bold prayers. He welcomes specific, even audacious requests from his children. I've shared this example before, but it's a good one, so I'm going to share it again, okay? Like, let me illustrate what it's like to have the all-powerful God of the universe saying, if two or three of you would get together and pray according to my name, according to my will, if you would do that, I would grant you anything you ask. The the, the disconnect between having that promise Promise, and then are like, um, God, it's me. Um, maybe if you've got some time today, um, I would love it if you would bless me. Um, okay, so the disconnect. All right, imagine you're walking along the beach. And as you walk along the beach, you spot a lamp in the sand. You're like, oh, I've heard stories about this. And so you go over, you pick up the lamp. You know what to do? You've watched Aladdin. So you rub the lamp. The genie pops out and the genie says, you get one wish. I will give you anything you ask for. And you're like, woo, genie, I want $1,000. If you had the opportunity to ask for the biggest, boldest request you possibly could, and then you ask for something silly and small, something that proved just how doubtful and halting and confused you really were, that would be a tragedy. This is what many Christians do every day with God. He's like, I'll give you anything you ask for. Two, three of you guys get together, unified in heart and mind, and you pray according to my name and will. I'll grant it. And we're like, maybe, please, if you would. I know I don't, but uh." no, God wants bold prayers from his children. Do you know Ephesians chapter number three, verse 20 says this, God can do infinitely more than we can ask or think. The biggest prayer that you can come up with, God can do it. And not only can God do it, but he actually wants to do bigger things than that in many circumstances. God can do infinitely more than we ask or think. So I would argue that safe and small prayers, generic and boring prayers are an insult to an all-powerful God. Why are you praying, God, give us a happy marriage? Why not pray, God, give us the happiest marriage that my family has ever seen? Why are you praying, God, keep the cancer from spreading? Instead, pray, God, make it disappear. Do it now, miraculously, in a way that blows the doctor's minds, in a way that gives me a powerful testimony. Why are you praying that your sisters won't make a scene at the family dinner instead of praying that they would experience total and complete reconciliation? God wants us to pray specifically. He wants us to pray boldly. He wants us to pray with faith. And yet we come to him small, scared, afraid, and asking for either generic or frankly, small things that insult him. Uh, I've told you guys before, one of, our, um, one of our values here at Connect Church is inspiration. We, we don't talk about them a whole lot from this stage, but we do talk about them a lot at the staff level. And inspiration, what we mean when we say that is we want to inspire the people of Calgary to believe that God is better than they ever thought and that the dreams that he's placed in their heart, he can deliver and accomplish all of those and even more. Inspire people to not have a small faith, not have a safe faith, not to have a personal, private, individual faith that nobody else has to know about. No, to have a bold faith, a public faith, a faith that is on fire, a faith that other people take note of, a faith that changes things, a faith that makes a difference in the world around them. I keep saying, like, I don't know if it's impossible to impress God with the scope of our prayers. I really don't. But if it is, I want to do it. Are you with me? 
I mean, I just, I want us to be that kind of church where we pray and we pray big stuff, we pray bold stuff, and we're not ashamed of it. We're not afraid of it. But hey, listen, it's not just like, okay, well, from the stage, we're gonna pray big things. No, we individually pray big things, bold things, specific things, and then we watch as God delivers and answers. Not only that, but I just believe this, bold bold prayers tend to ignite our faith right? If you really start praying over something huge, then it's like, there is some, it's like fanning the flame inside of you. You start to get excited about it. You're like, maybe, maybe, or you're desperate and you have to, because it's like, what else is there? Who cares? In the end, as long as you're praying, as long as you're lifting these requests to God, I just believe it does something good for our soul. He is not going to say yes to every single one of your prayers but he will say yes to a whole lot more of them than you probably realize. The problem is not with God. The problem is with us and our refusal to ask or to ask in a way that he outlines in scripture. Unified, scriptural, and bold. So my closing question to you today is which of these is the Holy Spirit highlighting in your mind? Should your prayers be more unified? Have you been carrying this burden all by yourself for a very long time and the weight of it is just pushing you down? You don't think you can continue to carry this burden by yourself? You can't and you don't have to. So if God is speaking to you about the unified portion, you don't need to grab a microphone and come on stage and tell us what the issue is. You need to find one or two people in the church that will knit their hearts together and pray with you until you see a resolution. Hey, you need to get involved in 21 days of prayer like individually, but then you need to find some corporate opportunities. You're gonna hear about them in just a moment. You need to get involved in a connect group. You're like, well, I wanna find one or two people to pray, but I don't know anybody. Yeah, you come sit in a dark auditorium, like shoulder to shoulder with people, you're not gonna get to know them. If you run out immediately as soon as the service is over, you're not gonna get to know them. So like stick around, make some connections and friendships, join a connect group, develop those relationships so that you can find people and you will find lots of people who are willing to be your one or two knit their hearts together in unity. Maybe God's saying your prayers need to be more scriptural. Perhaps like you've just get a sense when you pray, and this is one of the reasons you stop praying or you don't like praying, is you're like, I don't know, I'm saying a lot, but I'm not sure I'm saying anything. You with me? I've definitely had those prayers. Or you're like, yeah, all my prayers seem very selfish, self-centered. It's just like me, bless me, help me. I want this, I want that, right? The antidote, the answer to that is to get more scriptural inside of your prayers. Now, you say like, but I know you say you got to read the Bible, but like, I mean, honestly, if I start at page one and I go all the way through, it's going to take me a year or two or five or whatever. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay. Listen, if you want to start praying promises, there is nothing wrong with going to Google and typing in Bible verses for depression. There's nothing wrong with that. There are lots of times people will say, Dan, you got a good Bible verse for this. And even when it's something generic and basic, I'll still Google. Like I've got one or two in my pocket for most things for sure, but it may not be the one or two that God wants for them in the moment. And I don't have the whole Bible memorized, so I need to be reminded of the promises myself. There is nothing wrong with searching the scripture, digitally, analog, whatever it takes, so that you can know these particular promises. Frankly, we live in the 21st century. Okay? If this were the 1700s, you would have all kinds of excuses for not knowing the promises. But we've got no excuse in 2023. God couldn't make it any easier on any of us, all right? Or perhaps he's saying you need to be more bold in what you're asking for. 
you need to you need to get real about the big stuff. You wrote something on the wall, but it wasn't the real thing. And so it's time to go write the real thing. Or it's time you've been afraid, you've been hesitant, you've been asking for years and God has said no. Hey, listen, one of the things that I wrote on my crazy faith square out there, uh, I've been praying for for 20 plus years. It's my longest ongoing prayer. And there are lots of days in which I'm like, well, I guess God's just not gonna do it. I, I can't even begin to tell you how much movement has happened in that one prayer in the last month. After 24 years, I think, now I'm finally starting to see that prayer request come to pass. So like, don't give up, don't quit. Keep praying, keep being bold and keep trusting that if we come with prayers that are unified, scriptural and bold, we pray with fire, God will hear us he will answer us and our lives will never be the same. Lord, I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word today. And God, just give us encouragement that prayer needs to be our priority in 2023. I ask God, as we do 21 days of prayer, it wouldn't be a church program, wouldn't be something that like the leadership does, but literally every single person here at Connect Church would commit to praying for the next 21 days, make it a new habit in their life, make it a foundation upon which they build the rest of their year. God, bring that to pass by your grace and mercy in us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.